It's the TEH podcast, episode number 184. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. I got to admit, I enjoy saying large numbers like 184. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a, f- yeah. a fair number of episodes. We've been at this for a while. We're going to have to come up with something special in another 16 episodes. How many, how many articles do you think you've published at uh, Ask Leo? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, WordPress tells me it's something like on the order of 5,000. Um, but yeah, it's it's many, <laughs> many, many. Yeah. Um, I think I've mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it here, uh, but uh, this August, Ask Leo will be celebrating its 20th anniversary. Cool. Um, 20, 20 years of, of <laughs> originally, um, how do I get my Hotmail password? And now it's how do I get my Gmail password and my Facebook <laughs> password? Uh, wow. It's all, all about the passwords. You know, it's weird because I remember when I started MacMost and I, I thought you had been doing this kind of thing for so long. But it's only four more years than I've been doing it. Right. <laughs> so, like in retrospect, we've been doing it about the same amount of time. But back then, it was like Leo's an old hand to doing this kind of thing, and I'm just starting. What's so. what's almost what's almost embarrassing is one of the things I started doing this year um, is I'm going through many of my oldest content, much of my oldest mm-hmm. content, stuff that it literally is 20 years old, and uh, some of it I'm actually taking down. It just, mm. it has no more relevance anymore. It detracts from the site overall. It's just, you know, there's no point. Some of it, um, I'm just sort of, you know, fixing typos, making it pretty and letting it sit. And some of it I'm actually revising and updating. Um, so it's it's kind of funny. I've got some articles that are in the queue for a week or two from now, uh, where it's a revision of an article from 2003, uh, which, mm. <laughs> which is just, for some reason, a, that I've been at it that long, and B, that the article would still be even remotely relevant 20 years later is yeah. uh, is kind of interesting. Yeah. If that is, certain search engines will allow people to find it. Well, yes, because, um, boy, things are moving so fast with... When did when did uh, Chat GPT debut? I mean, wasn't, wasn't that like just... November of last yeah. year or something it like that? It was November yeah. and... It's just February now, and boy, like one of the things people said immediately with chat GPT was that um, if this was a search engine, it would be awesome, but it wasn't. And in fact, it made a point that it had six-month or year-old data, right? They trained it on data that wasn't super current. I mean, it was current enough for you to ask a lot of interesting questions, but you couldn't ask for something like a current event or something in the news or even right. like something like, for instance, for uh, me, like I couldn't ask it a question about the latest Mac operating system. I could ask it a question about last year's, right. but people kept saying, boy, if this was, you know, incorporated into a search engine, it would work really well. And we all, you know, you and I both and other people said, that's probably going to happen one day. Well, mm-hmm. one day is almost here, apparently. It's, uh, it's today or tomorrow or something. Well, like kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, so we've got two companies uh, jumping on it. Um, one of them is actually kind of chat GPT because it's Microsoft. And Microsoft, you know, a lot of people try to figure out who's who's behind chat GPT. But nobody is. It's its own company, OpenAI. But a major investor is Microsoft. So something when like you- $10 when you, billion, dollars, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. 
when you align everything, right, and, you know, uh, ChatGPT is Microsoft. They're in the Microsoft corner right. of things uh, as opposed to the Google corner. And everybody knows Google's been working on AI for a long time. And both of these uh, companies uh, are looks like they're going to be updating their search engines fast. Uh, Bing with Microsoft looks like, well, apparently it's already being tested by some lucky people. And within weeks or days or really soon, it's going to be, uh, you'll be able to use a version of ChatGPT at the Bing homepage as kind of a conversational search engine, which will be really very, interesting. It's very bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to the uh, uh, the page where they... Uh, uh, the article you link to in our show notes yeah. actually shows that, you know, hey, it's available. You can actually play with it right now. Well, you can't really play with it no. right now. A, you can a, see. You can preview. see what it looks like. There's, yeah. a, there's a set of canned questions that you can choose from and watch it interact with those questions. And if you want to ask something yourself, it just goes gives you back to the old uh, traditional Bing experience. But, but you can apply for a preview. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, early access, which of course I did immediately. And it says, great, you're on the list. And mm. then it took me to another page that said, hey, if you want to move up in the list, let us, A, change all your browser settings and B, make sure to install the Bing app on your phone, <laughs> which I mean, it's been one of the frustrations with Microsoft since the debut of, well, since the debut of Bing for sure, is that they have been working so hard to almost ram their technology down our throats. And this just mm -hmm. feels like another opportunity for them to do this is, you know, uh, hey, you know, we'll, we'll give it to you sooner if, if you'll basically, you know, bend over and let us do what we want to you. No, <laughs> no, that's not what I want. I want to use, I want to experience the technology. I want to play with the technology. And apparently because I'm not willing to, uh, um, uh, to let them uh, do things to me, I will have to, you know, wait with the unwashed passes. Anyway, yeah. so that was just a little my little rant on on getting early no, access. I, I I agree. I, I I saw kind of the same thing, and I I actually just had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I installed Edge on a Mac mm -hmm. to to test something, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I was surprised to see that you know one of the reasons I, I, I although I have Microsoft Office, I've downloaded the apps from the the app store from the Apple app store. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about that is they're just standalone apps. You log in with your Microsoft account, right? Which is your subscription and all that. But now they're just normal apps. And when they update, they update through the app store. If you download from Microsoft and install using their installer, you get all of this other stuff, all these launch demons that actually run and update and do all this stuff at an incredible frequency. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it seems like every week or more often, it's like they updating something. And then of course, the, the, the frustrating thing is uh, having done this in the past, half those updates seem to be updates of the updater. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Microsoft Office Updater needs to update. Oh, yes. okay. And then it updates that. I'm like, well, but you just updated the updater. I, why, <laughs> why? Right. But anyway, so I, Avoided that and it's okay, great. I like using Microsoft Office apps if I don't have to use all of the, you know, the update launch demon stuff. But you install Edge, you get all that stuff, you know, back. Right. So I actually went through, I had to go through hoops to uninstall all that stuff. And it's like, because I'm not using Edge, I don't need uh, every few days to see there's an update to it and interrupting my work and all that. So, and it's the same thing. It's like, I got a feeling that 
when it's launched and you could just use it freely, it's going to be only in the Edge browser because they do mention a lot of times that's incorporated in the Edge browser. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to go on Safari. It's my guess anyway. I don't think I'll be able to go to Bing.com and Safari and use it. I bet you it's like, oh, that'll be coming soon. For now, download Edge. And it's interesting because it, it's funny. Yeah. Google plays a similar game, right? When Whenever you... Um, uh, go to a Google property mm-hmm. in a non-Google browser um, every so often. Uh, yeah. They don't do it constantly, but every so often, like every few weeks, they will say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. Google Maps works really, really well in Google Chrome. Do you sure you yeah. don't want to install, download, install, and make default Google Chrome? I said, no, I've, I've got it on my machine. I just, you know, I'm using a different browser. Um, but that, you know, that, that one I kind of understand. Microsoft seems so very heavy-handed. Um, yeah. They are almost, I don't want to say every Windows update, but on major Windows updates, they almost always lead you down a path where the default action, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, is to not only return Edge to be your default browser, but then also set all of the uh, settings to be the most permissive so mm-hmm. that um, you know Microsoft gets the most amount of data out of whatever it is you happen to be doing. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, some people are okay with that. I personally, I tend to be okay with it. I'm not particularly concerned, but I know a lot of people are, and that should be respected. And the fact that they're doing this over and over again. So yes, this just felt exactly like that. Um, they 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 want the Bing app on my phone. What are they What are they looking for? What's the Bing app on my phone going to well, do? Well, because they want they want yeah more installs. I think this is a big opportunity for Microsoft, but it's one of two opportunities, and they got to decide which one. And they're probably going to choose wrong. Opportunity one is that they they incorporate AI into Bing, mm-hmm. and they just have it. You could just go to the web page and use it, and they could actually gain market share for search. Yes, you know, even if it's just a few weeks ahead of Google, they yep. could gain a chunk of market share, which is something that's been impossible to do for a long time. Exactly, and or they could choose door number two, which is they could try to force more of their software down people's throats, and they and they might be successful at doing that, but they won't really gain as much uh, browser, you know, search engine. Um, exactly, yeah, you know, I, it's market I, share. So they're probably going to choose wrong. It sounds like they already are and trying to get more people to get their apps. And, uh, and that's, that's a shame because uh, not that I'm a fan of Bing, I don't really use it, but I like diversity in the marketplace. And I would like to see, you know, at least one other search engine, you know, have a I, decent I amount would, market share, uh, market share, you know, I would love for Bing to turn into a good search engine. It or it's, it's an okay search engine, but I keep coming back to what I care about are search results. And um, to date, Google mm-hmm. continues to give me the most relevant results. If of course I just ignore all the promoted stuff and whatever else happens to be on the screen at the time. Yeah. Um, and you know, which, Ultimately, that's what I care about, right? I don't care whether it's Bing or Google or DuckDuckGo or something else. I want results. And Mm -hmm. this, like you say, is a wonderful opportunity for Bing to actually do something unique and potentially get better results, which I want to talk about in a minute, by the way. But um, you're right. I suspect that the internal forces, and by that I mean, you know, internal to the company, um, are going to 
um, assume that this is another opportunity for them to shoehorn their way into more than just search. And yeah. you're right. That's the wrong decision. And I think in the long run, it's going to hurt them because it's just going to end up annoying more people um, than it actually uh, serves. Um, what, what I found yeah. interesting was for Google. So, so Bing, you know, their, their Microsoft is merging this kind of stuff in with Bing. Yeah. So that it'll eventually, presumably, um, you know, perhaps only on edge, but it'll eventually just be part of the big experience. Um, Google's not going that way. Yeah. They're Google's doing got something their own. separate. They've got Bard. I like Bard. the name. Bard. Which is, yeah, it's a good, it's a good name. <laughs> and this isn't, it's not exactly a secret that Google's been working on this. I guess part of, like, one of the aspects of the uh, chat GPT story was that chat GPT appeared and it was like, hey, hasn't Google been working on this for years? And now this other company comes in and kind of, you know, comes out first. Um, but yeah, Google has been working on AI like this for years. And I don't know if it's just coincidence that Google's ready to release it or if they kind of got pushed or it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they were always like, well, if we just work on a little more, a little more would be better. And now they're, now they're thinking, no, we got to release this now and we're going to miss this window of opportunity, but they're going to come out with their own version of chat GPT, although it's going to be search oriented as you would expect. Mm -hmm. So probably more like the Bing thing that's coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called, and it's called Bard. Yeah, I do like that name. ChatGPT is such an awkward name, mm -hmm. um, but it, it it works. I mean, everybody knows it now, but exactly. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, um, you can kind of preview this too. There's kind of little, I don't know, I saw something somewhere where it showed kind of what it would look like, but you can't actually use it yet. And this is probably going to be in a few weeks, I think. We'll get a look at what Bard actually is yeah, that was kind of the, the time frames that I was inferring, at least from some of the stuff I was reading. It's not as imminent as Bing, but it is um, on the near roadmap. And you're right. I do think, um, I think you mentioned it. I know I read it a couple of places. Um, there, even Bing, uh, the, the Bing announcement today mm. was kind of rushed. And I suspect that the Google announcement and the Google release will also be rushed for competitive reasons. And that'll have some interesting ramifications yeah. if they uh, you know end up tripping on their feet. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, one of the problems with all of these is that since the stuff isn't pre-written, it's actually generated by, you know, a algorithm or mm -hmm. AI or ever chatbot, however you want to classify it. Um, when you ask something, you're probably asking something unique mm -hmm. and the answer is unique mm -hmm. and nobody's seen it before. Right. So, well, just to cut you the chase, what if it's racist? Well, I know, and and I absolutely predict two things. One, yeah. it will be inadvertently there will be yeah. um, some some offensive content that gets generated. Uh, we saw that originally with like one of the original chatbots from just like mm. two or three years ago, where it was learning from the people it was talking to, and it became a racist like within 24 hours. It went down <laughs> yeah. that hole so quickly. Um, obviously, this has more uh, controls in place to make sure that that doesn't happen, but uh, I'm sure that um, it'll happen naturally over time. The other part of it, though, is that you know, you know that there are people who are going to intentionally goad it into yeah. obs uh, uh, offensive speech. And that is actually already happening on chat GPT. Oh, sure. Uh, I read an article, uh, or excuse me, I read a headline, which is actually an interesting segue to another topic here in a moment. Um, I read a headline that said that they were basically using 
working on phrasing their questions in such a way that uh, the safeties that are in mm. chat GPT would not be applied. Mm. Uh, so if you ask it a direct question, mm -hmm. uh, it would not answer it. But if you ask it a question like, you know, okay, great. We know you can't answer this question because of these reasons. But if those reasons didn't exist, what would the answer be, <laughs> right? And it would generate some, I mean, I'm not saying that that's the exact scenario, but that's the kind of a thing that they were doing and they were being successful. And I suspect that that's the kind of a thing that absolutely all of these AIs are going to be subject to, uh, certainly within moments of their release. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I think ChatGPT kind of got away with launching because they were unknown. You know, right. it's kind of like the celebrity who says something inappropriate is immediately called out. Right. And, and but the the neighbor down the street <laughs> can say the <laughs> same thing or much worse. And you know, no newspaper's gonna want to print that. It's like who who said it? What you're a neighbor down the street, who cares? And chat GPT was kind of like the neighbor down the street. Nobody, you know, they it wasn't a celebrity yet as far as tech companies go. Right. Um, so it got away with launching and perhaps people didn't attack it right away trying to get it to sound bad uh, but uh, google and microsoft are not going to have that uh comfort they're they're gonna yeah be hit with the stuff right away but you know the that conversation's well we're having the conversation now but the conversation has been going on for a year or two now about that so it's kind of cushioned a bit you know it's kind of like you know, no, the the chatbot isn't racist. The chatbot is not anything. The chatbot is responding to your prompts and things it's read and all of that. And uh, sure. and the company that company that maintains it, you know, if they react appropriately, I think right. will be fine. If they say, "Oh yeah, we're just as appalled it said that as you are," we're going to fix that. Fast. I do believe that the the experience of that chatbot that I was talking about from a couple of years ago um, is directly informing a lot of this stuff right now. I mean, you know, we don't want to repeat that experience. Uh, you know, that's what these companies are saying internally. So they know to at yeah. least be on the lookout for, um, if not build in some of these um, guardrails uh, to keep things somewhat under control. Uh, it's unclear how well they'll be able to do it and still maintain the true AI. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so another aspect to this kind of also goes back a few years, uh, mm -hmm. many more years, actually. Yes. At, at one point, Google was a pure search engine. If you asked it a question, it would show you web pages that perhaps had the answer. Correct. And then at one point, it was very interesting. And you and I were you know, paying a lot of attention when this happened. Google started actually just telling you the answer to some things. Maybe something as simple as how many how many ounces are in a cup, that right. kind of deal. But instead of taking you to the web page that somebody made, you know, measurementconversion.com or whatever, and you know, bringing you to them, and then they get the ad revenue or or whatever, they just told you the answer, and you didn't have to go to a web page anymore. And people complained, uh, myself included, that it's like, hey, you're supposed to be a search engine. You're supposed to direct people to us, the content creators, and we answer their questions. When you answer the questions, now you're a content creator too, and you have an unfair advantage because you own the search market. So, yeah. I mean, I don't get to go and answer, you know, nobody's going to come to me and ask me first. They're going to come to you and ask you first. And instead of me being the one to tell the answer, you you get first position. It's uh, not that they are a it. content creator because they didn't write that answer. 
right? Sometimes, sometimes. Um, rarely. Uh, certainly on some of the things that matter to you and me. I mean, yes. obviously, you know, two plus two, Art. they could do the math. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but if it's something tech, some, right, and they provide an answer, uh, it's typically called a snippet uh, that shows up at the top of the search results. If they actually provide the answer, yeah, that answer didn't come from Google. It came from a website Google scraped, which puts them less in the position of uh, being a content creator and more a content plagiarist. Um yeah. Even though, you know, it's not even that black and white because, of course, yes, there's a link to the original source so that if you want to go to the source, you can. But who does? I mean, if it's if it literally is the yeah. answer, um, people don't. And it's such a difficult argument because what is the role of this ecosystem, right? When somebody asks Google a question, they're looking for an answer. If Google gives them an answer, they walk away satisfied. They have served the purpose of the person who had the question. On the other hand, um, if they are a search engine attempting to direct you to places or authoritative sites that have answers, um, then it's extra work. They put, you know, they put extra work on the person with the question, right? They have to, mm -hmm. to decide what to click on and click on it um, in order for them to finally get the answer that they're looking for. Um, but it serves us, right? The true content creators better. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a difficult, difficult, uh, like I said, ecosystem, and I'm not sure that um, it's it's going to get any better anytime soon. Well, no, because that that's this is probably going to be a bigger problem for us content creators with these chatbot AIs taking over the search engines, right? Because these chatbot AIs, what they do really well is actually like find a solution. So like if I search for how many calories are in a banana now on Google, I know already that foods like that, they come up and it tells me the answer at the top. It does say the sources, uh, sources include USDA. And I'm sure the USDA does not care at all that you're not going to their website. You know, they're not trying to make a profit there. On the side, I get that whole, you know, card there. Right. that it tells me about a banana and it's from wikipedia it says and that has all sorts of nutritional value uh, value things and all that so the website that actually you know uh the first uh, looking at the website here there's a bunch of them that are about food and nutrition i don't need to go to those anymore now it's a very direct question i'm going to know how many calories are in a banana now when i ask something more general google pre-chat bot can't figure that out can't figure out what I want, you know, whatever. They just show me search results that may have an answer to what I'm asking. But with the chatbot, with Bard, they may be able to, and probably, I mean, if they're if they're going to do it right, <laughs> right in quotes, I mean, it should tell you the answer to things you want to know. Um, and thus, maybe the future of Google or search engines in general is to be information engines. And, you know, the... The yeah. web is, yeah, I mean, the web, because serving just the, the people that are asking the question, you ask a question, if the chatbot can answer it for you, then why are you going to a web page at all? And um, so this may be the beginning of the end of the golden age of internet content creation. Maybe, maybe, I, I certainly it's at risk. It's interesting because when you say that, you know, if a chatbot can answer it for you, why are you going to a web page? That's the same, that, that actually is the argument behind the snippet we have today. 
If yeah. Google could just give you the answer, why are you going to a web page to get that answer? Yeah. Um, the, the, the complication, of course, is where did Google get that answer? Be it the snippet or what fed the chatbot? Your yeah. site and my site and all the content we've created are feeding the chatbot. And yet, um, I don't want to say it's not to our benefit, but it's, it's somehow um, uh, leveraging our work in some kind of a, um, in a way that um, isn't uh, benefiting it, benefiting us in any way, shape, or form. This is the argument we were, I think we talked about this last week with respect to um, uh, Doll E and the other image-based mm -hmm. uh, AIs, because they're going out and looking at all of these images on the internet and then using them to feed their artistic results which is exactly how people do it, right? If you're an artist, this is how you learn to be an artist. You look at other art and then start mimicking it, um, transcribe, mm -hmm. you know, transcribing it, changing it, doing your, your own take on it. There's an argument that says that that's exactly what AI will be doing to text. They'll be reading a bunch of articles because they're educating themselves, but then it won't be copyright because they'll be using their own words, but the ideas will have all come from other places. And it just, it gets so incredibly complicated. One of the, um, uh, I just added a link to our show notes to um, a uh, an article I ran across, literally just a couple of articles about exactly this situation. Um, it's called the AI search engine problem. And one of the, um, the reasons that it is uh, so so complicated is because the, the actual title of the article is AI search engines and the quest for ignorance. I want to say hmm. that the, the knee-jerk reaction is to say that people are lazy, right? I mentioned earlier that um, I brought in a fact into the podcast today because I'd read a headline. The irony is that, did I read the article? I honestly don't remember. I took mm. the information from the headline. That's what people do. People are lazy. Now, it's it's easy to call people lazy in a situation like that when in reality, what you want them to do is do more work. You want them to click on the link. You want them to read the article. You want them to do whatever. But people aren't necessarily lazy. People are busy. People are distracted. People have other priorities. Mm -hmm. So almost by definition, they are going to take the easy path to get the answers that they're looking for. That's why things like snippets work. And that's why things like um, a chat bot that actually gives you answers, um, if those answers can be relied on. Um, you're right. They do put content generation uh, reference yes. content generation become be, is put at risk. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, think the first ones. To, I mean, there's a, there's a wide spectrum. We're you and I are kind of all the way at one end, where we hand we're handcrafted content creators, right? We're where you're writing every word. I'm I'm appearing in my videos. You know, you're appearing yes. in your videos. Yes. We 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 are handcrafting information, and we're at the one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum are like the content farms where there are just, you know, we've known people that have been in that industry where, you know, just that's great, you know, tons and tons of articles, articles every day, you right. know, uh, and just until we have such a huge content library and then we'll show up in the search results and all of that. That stuff is, you know, at first, <laughs> at first, of course, the chatbots will take over the content farm content generation 
You know, exactly. oh, I don't need to have a hundred people writing articles for me. I could just have, you know, pay for a subscription to Chat GPT and have Chat GPT do all the article writing for me. Right. But then, you know, there'll be a so there'll be a short blip there, and then all of a sudden they'll find that nobody's reading their articles because they just go to Chat. You know, they go to Bing, they go to Google, and they type in what would they would have typed before to get to that article. Now they just get the article from directly from the chatbot. But then you and I are safe for at least a few more years, maybe longer, um, because <laughs> our stuff's higher end. It's you know it's more detailed. We go more in depth. We talk mm -hmm. about different aspects. It's not just you know your you know uh, some of those articles that are like you know seven paragraphs or whatever you know, about whatever it is. And it's generated, and the actual article itself is generated because of search engine optimization and what are people searching for and you know all of this stuff. Or those ads, you know, the uh, the clickbait ads, okay. and you know things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, I think I think this is definitely hitting this hitting the content creation industry. It's going to be interesting how it plays out over the next couple of years as chatbots kind of get better and right. the search engines balance. You know what? What? How far down on the page do, do the search results appear on Google? Which is a weird thing to ask, but certainly some some years ago, that was all that was there on the page. And yes. now there's ads, there's generated stuff, there's all sorts of stuff. Sometimes finding that first search result, it's like, oh, it's all the way down here. Here's the first. Well, yeah, page. it's definitely you know this concept of below the fold, right, or above yeah. the fold, or below the fold. If you just take mm -hmm. a look at the page that you get from Google and have it um, uh, show you some results, it's not uncommon, depending on the space you're searching in, for the actual first search result not to be on the page. Yeah. Yeah. You actually have to scroll down in order to see that first search result. A couple so, of things came to mind as yeah. you were chatting. One is, I think that you're, you're right, in the text world, um, we are the, the kind of things we're doing and the kind of stuff that um, our, our class of, of content creation is doing is going to be at risk over the course of the next couple of years, basically because of competition from not necessarily just chat GPT or chatbots, but also um, the, um, uh, I'll call them malicious players who are going to use chatbots to generate just tons and tons of content. However, this is not the only pool you and I play in. Right. We're mm -hmm. also doing videos. And I suspect yeah. that the barrier to entry to uh, actually creating useful videos is significantly higher. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, it'll happen. Right. There will be artificially generated videos at some point, but I think we're a ways away from there. There is still nothing quite like showing somebody how to do something that um, that I don't think the AIs are there for yet. The yeah, other think, thing that came to mind is that, you know, okay, great. We find out over the course of the next couple of years that um, our efforts in creating written content um, mm -hmm. are for naught, right? Nobody's finding us anymore. Uh, people are getting their questions answered directly by the search engines. And we decide, well, okay, you know, it was fun while it lasted, um, but we'll go focus on other things, uh, maybe video, maybe whatever turns out to be next. If the mm. content generators, if the content creators such as you and I go away, where does the AI get its content? Yeah, from? yeah, good point. 
Now, there's an argument that says, well, you know, folks like Microsoft and and other, uh, you know, and Apple will always be generating some kind of content associated with their own products, which makes sense. But honestly, and I've I've joked about this before, a lot of what you and I do um, is a content discovery, finding the right answer for a specific problem, and then B content translation, turning whatever it is the Microsoft tech writers happen to throw on a page into English that the average person can actually understand. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, eventual success of AI alternatives will come down to exactly that, their ability to, uh, to find things that are relevant, which I think will get better, but to turn it into something that people can understand, I think will be a, a significantly uh, tougher nut to crack. Well, it was like last week I talked about how um, uh, they had hired programmers to solve programming problems and debug code, and uh, but not do real code and real programs. They were just doing examples, right. and that was all being ingested into chat GPT uh, so it could get better at coding. So perhaps in the future, you know, the uh, uh, Google's Bard, uh, a little notification comes up and says, boy, I've been getting a lot of questions about uh, medieval European, you know, castle building um, and that we're not able to answer. Oh, here's an expert in that. Let's pay him some money. Come in and talk to our AI for a couple of days about everything he knows about the subject. I would love to be that person, right? I mean, that's, except that they're out of a job afterwards because um, now that now the chatbot knows everything that they know, and then they they just yeah. Well, I mean, yes, guess. you're not gonna you're not gonna content dump everything you know about everything in two days. Um, but yes, I do think that there is an opportunity. Unfortunately, it's going to be a smaller audience, right? A smaller a smaller pool. Right now, in our field, our field is pretty crowded, right? There are a lot of sites that are providing tech support, tech assistance to people on various platforms. Um, once, you know, if Google goes down that road, we'll say, well, you know what? Here's the guy who knows all about backing up. Let's talk to him. Then all of a sudden, everybody else who has been talking about backing up, I don't want to say that they're irrelevant, but they don't have the same opportunity to feed the beast. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I did want to tell a story from this week related to this, okay, uh, which is kind of interesting because uh, it relates to search. And I, I was coding, working on an update to my my uh, Clip Tools uh, app, and I ran into an issue, uh, a problem of trying to figure out how to solve. And I thought I knew how to solve it, and I, but it wasn't working. So I was like, all right. So I turned to the internet. The usual places, you know, the Apple's developer forums, Stack Overflow, for instance, things like mm -hmm. that, and just general, generally doing searches. And I was doing my searches through Google, and I was not coming up with results. It's very frustrating sometimes as a developer, especially you throw a lot of terms at Google, and you keep getting results that are, oh, for developing on the iPhone, for developing on the iPad. And like, no, I'm saying specifically Mac, Mac OS, and all of that, yet I am not um, getting the uh, you, you know the results Mac oriented the search engine is is leading me in the wrong direction. I came across uh, eventually got the search terms down to where I came across several promising blog posts and promising uh, forum posts about the subject, but either the information was outdated or it was not uh, somehow no that's not the solution either that kind of thing. And eventually I got really frustrated. And I said, well, what the hey? And I went to chat GPT 
<laughs> and instead of doing all the search term stuff, I said, let me just ask it. Let me, okay, pretend that uh, an expert Mac developer has come over my house and they're sitting there and I want to ask them this question. And I just typed it all out like that, long and rambling. It was almost a, like, you know, two, three sentences paragraph. Mm -hmm. And I hit return. And guess what? Nailed it. <laughs> now, interestingly, now, how do I know it nailed it? Uh -huh. Well, I said at the beginning that I thought I knew the solution to the problem. None of the other places I looked, not, no post or forum or anything gave me the solution I thought was correct at the beginning. ChatGPT gave me my exact solution as I originally thought it. Now, my solution didn't work originally, but by ChatGPT saying, oh, this is how you do it. I'm like, well, I tried. That was the first thing I tried. I went back and I looked and I thought, oh, yeah, that is the right solution. I just had something a little off. Interesting. So, but Interesting. I did not find one other source that confirmed that that was the original solution, you know, the original solution was correct at all you until know, chat GPT. Because it, it kind of leads into um, a more general topic that honestly, searching is hard. Yeah. People don't know how, in general. I mean, in general, I, but we're, I'm we're, good we're, at it though. We're, yeah, you and I are both good at it. Mm -hmm. And it just shows you that when the people who are good at it aren't finding what's out there, um, it just, it's, it's a reflection of how difficult search still is. And it actually is one of the things that feeds back to what I was saying earlier about people being lazy. Um, you know, they, um, they will search. They will search on the wrong terms. They will search on incomplete terms. They will take a look at the results. They will take the first result they get or the first headline they get as gospel and move on without uh, investigating further. Um, what, I, what I'm interested in, something occurred to me when we were talking about um, uh, using chat GPT literally as a chat bot for search. One of the things I've not seen is the, the opportunity for that chat bot to turn around Mm -hmm. and ask you for oh. additional information. For example, um, you know, you could say, you know, such and such is my problem. How do I code it up? And it could say, well, did you mean iOS mm -hmm. or, or Mac or perhaps Windows? And you could refine your question in meaningful ways, right? That's the, the goal here would be that the chat, uh, that the AI would know the proper questions to ask to get you to a uh, a more accurate solution. Yeah. Um, it's intent is really, really hard. A lot of what I've heard um, uh, search has been moving to probably over the last decade is not so much um, textual search, which is how it started out, uh, but intent, intentional search, right? They're trying to, Google in particular tends to be probably the most advanced of this right now. They will take a look at whatever you type in and try to infer your intent, regardless, mm -hmm. regardless of the words you used or somehow from the words you use. That's how, how sometimes you will end up with search results that are actually on point, but actually use none of the terminology that you, you actually typed in. Um, but intent itself is really, really hard. I, I noted, I've got an example in our show notes, um, you know, what's the meaning of life, the universe and everything? Uh, that's a question that I'm sure people ask Google from time to time. Yeah. And yet it is... Um, What's the intent? 
What's the intent behind that question? Mm. Um, are you are you actually asking a deep philosophical question? Because this is a very very old question when it comes to philosophy. Um, are you um, do you not remember if it's forty two or forty seven? Which happens mm -hmm. to me all the time. Um, really? Or or yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Um, or um, are you just looking for, oh, yeah, I remember that phrase came from a book. I wonder what book it was in. I'll just type in the phrase. Mm -hmm. and the whole point here, though, is that so much of what we're looking for is clear in our head, but not so clear in the words we use to search. And I think that that's another one of the opportunities that um, AI has uh, to, to basically do a better job of potentially not necessarily understanding our intent from the get-go, but refining um, and learning our intent uh, with a little bit of iteration. Mm -hmm. uh, you got I, It sounds like you got like really, really spot on. Uh, it it yeah. understood your intent right away. But oh, uh, yeah. like you said, you asked the question as if you were talking to a person. I know. I think that was the key. That was the and, key. And it, it that question probably included significantly more context yes. than the keywords you probably threw at a general search engine. Right. Because the keywords, you know, you're afraid sometimes. It's like, how much significance are you going to place on this keyword versus this keyword? Right. And that might throw you in the wrong direction or whatever. I just threw those notions away and just asked. And it, I expect fully expected not to get a good answer the first time and then have to refine. And but it was the first time and it threw it right back at me. And it was also very strange how it was almost worded the way that it was already worded in my head, that original solution. So, you know, that was, that was really interesting. And, and, uh, and, and it just, and I found it interesting that that happened to me just like two days before all this news came out about the search engines, mm -hmm. uh, Bard and Microsoft, uh, Microsoft's efforts. And I'm like, okay, hmm, this is, timely. So, so right yeah. now, one of the places you and I still have the opportunity to add a tremendous amount of value mm -hmm. is, um, as we noted in previous discussions about ChatGPT specifically, uh, it has been known to be uh, very, very confidently wrong. Um, yeah. And that's something that still requires, I think, human intervention to vet the answers that you're getting. In a case like yours, that's great. You are the person who could vet the answer, right? It was, it was yeah. clear that it was it allowed you to um, revisit your own uh, preconceptions about what the answer should be. But in general, I suspect that people may not necessarily have that same background, that same context to be able to do that naturally when they get an answer. Uh, for example, uh, I think in our one of our first discussions about Chat GPT, I asked <clears throat> I asked it to uh, write a biography for both you and for me, which once again, in both cases, it was very very confidently written and very very confidently wrong. Mm -hmm. um, the um, uh, the the and, and a person who is looking us up wouldn't know. Um, so yeah, it's 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 got a ways to go. It'll be yeah. very very interesting. But I think that content creators such as you and I, um, especially content creators who are not necessarily diversifying across other platforms that aren't quite at the same imminent level of risk, um, they need to be paying attention and understanding mm -hmm. exactly what's what what's coming down the pike for them yep yep and hopefully i mean yeah 
hopefully for the end user, it, it, it it's just going to be better for the end user, no matter what happens, <laughs> I think, because, you know, it's kind of like the free market of, of how this all works, right? The be- if chat, chat GPT and BART are better at answering these questions than content farms, then good, uh, I guess. I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's been Google's argument all along, right? Is that um, it's their, their stated goal is to get people answers. And if they can do that directly, They've saved that person some time. If they can point to an authoritative site that gets them the answer, great, they've done that. Um, the um, uh, the other uh, what was there was another there was another aspect to that uh, that yeah the the counter argument to that was always okay great all that really means is that you and I need to do a good job of creating good answers yeah the um, and, and you will float to the top. Unfortunately, when you float to the top, the risk now is that you will be skimmed. (laughs) The cream will be skimmed and collected into things like snippets and potentially Uh eventually AI uh, large language models. Yep. Cool. Ah, Interesting stuff. Like I said, it's going to be a very, very interesting time coming up for sure. Uh Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these days, I'll just have to write my entire uh, TEH podcast segment or have AI write it for me. And we'll just there see you go. <laughs> yeah. If, if it, yeah. If it's ever like available all the time, that's one of the problems I have with Jet GPT. It has a knack of like being like, our server is too busy right now whenever I really need it. I've actually, have I run into that lately? I've not. I've not. Oh, I um, Have you time. been playing at all with, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the one that's being run through Discord right now? Um, uh, stable diffusion, I think it is. No, the image one. It's it's one of the image yeah. ones. I have I have tried desperately to use it a few times. Like uh, for one of one of the other of my projects, I will say, okay, great. It would be nice to have an image of X. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I th- what was it? There was one that I, I was really trying to um, uh, trying to remember the context where I needed this. What I needed was an image of a donut that had been eaten away from the center, Hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it's as if someone had stuck their head into the center and started chewing away around the circle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was unable to get it. I got some very bizarre, very bizarre Uh, donuts, um, as is AI's way. But that actually also goes back to what we were talking about, that right now, especially for that kind of generative AI, um, it really all does come down to your ability to state the problem um, in the correct way. In your case, to get an answer. And in my case, to get a donut. (laughs) Cool. Speaking of cool, what else is cool? Well, uh, I, I, we can talk about what's cool this week. I, you know, I have been so busy. I have not had much time to ingest a lot of TV or anything like that, but I did finish reading a book um, that I kind of enjoyed uh, called The Hike. And it's a recent book and it's actually, I don't know what it was when I started reading it, but uh, it, it turns out it's, I would classify it as fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more modern day fantasy as in like Harry Potter than old timey fantasy, like Lord of the Rings or something like that. But it was just an interesting story of a guy who ends up kind of in some sort of other world or gets a peek behind the door of how the world really works um, after getting lost in the woods. 
and on this uh this hike that turns uh, was a short little hike that turned into a lot longer experience than he thought so it's kind of one of those adventure kind of things Mm -hmm. where it's like there's something new happening around every corner and things get more and more bizarre uh as it goes on and you want and you just wonder it's like where is this going because i (laughs) really had no idea and i was pleasantly surprised that it didn't go any place that I didn't want it to go, if you know what I mean. Like yes. I was afraid. Yes. Sometimes you're afraid. It's like, oh, this could get bad or go go into a type of storytelling I don't like. Nah, it didn't. It just kept being entertaining and fun. So the hike by Drew, uh, Drew Mag Magary Magary Magary. I'm not trying to pronounce his last name, but anyway, decent read. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to throw out three random things here because we have been doing a fair amount of, of TV and, and some reading. Last week, I think I mentioned this one already, Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized mm-hmm. World. I finished the audiobook this week. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, it. It goes into so many different aspects of how uh, breadth um, and and um, interconnection of t- disparate fields is so incredibly important to not just success but progress as well. I could highly highly recommend um, range as either a book or an audiobook. It doesn't really matter. Um, the content was just really really good. On TV, yes, we're still watching The Last of Us. We're enjoying mm-hmm. it. Um, it's um, uh, you know I just I realized that the last two episodes actually haven't shown us very many zombies, even though it is a zombie-based apocalypse. Um, but it's been really good storytelling. And the other thing that's a little off the off the radar for a lot of folks, I suspect, we ended up watching Serpent Queen mm. on Stars. It's an eight-episode um, first season. There may be a second season, I'm not sure, about Catherine de' Medici and her coming to power in France. And um, it is, I would call it, I would absolutely not call it a documentary. It, it's one of those, uh, I suspect it's more of a, uh, a drama loosely based in history. Uh, but it's been really fun to watch. The primary character who plays um, Catherine is a character that some folks will remember from The Walking Dead. She played the character Alpha on mm. that show. And she's been in a couple of other things as well. But she um, has done just a, a wonderful job on it. And we're just, like I said, we're just enjoying it. We've watched, the, the reason we kind of decided to give that one a try is we watched several similarly named, and I'm assuming same production company, if not um, uh, uh, principles involved, Serpent, or let's see, Serpent Queen, uh, there's the Red Queen, Spanish Princess, the White Queen, those kinds of, of shows. Huh. And they've all been really, really good. It's that same style. Uh, where you're taking an individual and doing some kind of a um, a drama based loosely on loose loosely based on history. So anyway, that was good. Hmm. Cool. And uh, in our blatant self promotion uh, for this week, because uh, we don't have any sponsors, so we're the sponsors. Um, the video I want to talk about is I I almost never do this, but I have a a video that the title is in parentheses revisited because. Back in December, I did a short, which was a YouTube short and a TikTok um, on uh, 
what to do with your iPhone before handing it over to a cashier, ticket taker, huh? or the police, um, which is basically a neat way of saying how to use guided access on the iPhone, which is a way to actually lock your iPhone onto the screen so you can't actually switch apps or do anything else with the phone unless uh -huh. you know the passcode. And that video blew up on those platforms. I got more than 3 million views on TikTok, more than 2 million views on YouTube uh, of that one to 60, less than 60 second video. Wow. But because it was a 60 second video, it just showed you here's how, before you hand it over to somebody, here's how to do it. Do this, 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 and then I'm done. Yeah, she says, this, 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 good luck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't have any room for explaining why you may want to do it or what the implications are of not doing it or why you would, you know, why have a driver's license on your phone anyway, or an insurance card or all sorts of things. So I decided since the video did so well as a short, I did a long video and mm -hmm. regular, you know, horizontal format right, right, right. Um, where I first expand on that one minute video and do, I think I take three or four minutes at the beginning to say, here's how you do it <laughs> in normal speed and, <laughs> uh, and li another little aspects of like describing where everything is and all that. And then I go into detail based on all of the questions. Cause I got, you know, there are certain questions I kept getting over and over and over again oh, right, or comments right. from people like, why would you have your driver's license on your phone? Well, it, if you're lucky enough to be in a state where that's um, something that's offered uh, a really good reason to have your driver's license on your phone is because when you hand it to say a bartender, um, you can choose to not have it show your home address or your exact birthday, mm -hmm. which for some people may be a great privacy feature that you're not just showing everybody where you live every time you get carded <laughs> at some place. Uh, so, you know, that's like, a that's like, oh, if you, if you like privacy and security, a digital ID actually provides something that a paper one does not. And, um, and there are other, other things like that. I was able to answer even people saying that, what are you talking about? You can't have driver's licenses on your phone. They won't accept it. Well, actually, at least three U.S. states officially accept them, more to come, and a lot of other countries do as well. So I was able to an answer a lot of these questions, you know, afterwards mm -hmm. and go into more detail. And hopefully um, it'll be a nice companion video yes. to that popular short. Yes, very cool. Um, and I, I, so I have to be honest, I'm exceptionally jealous of your 3 million views on anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> That's what... I, I aspire to that. Um and yes, uh, so a lot of the so I've been I've been dabbling with shorts. I think I've mentioned it before, um, but most of my shorts I'm doing in the other direction. So I'm taking one of my longer videos, mm -hmm. and I tried the scenario where you um, cut out a segment of the longer video, yeah, and just post that as a short. That doesn't work for me. My my pacing is different. My pacing on a longer video. Um, is tends to be, I try to be a little bit clearer, a little bit more methodical, a little bit something that's easier for people to follow along, which just doesn't work in the one minute format. So what I've been doing is um, I'll take the topic for uh, one of those longer videos, mm -hmm. but then like distill it down into whatever I could do in under 60 seconds. Mm. Uh, Cause that's the threshold that YouTube requires for it to be a short. And that remains the goal, right? The YouTube concept of short, even though TikTok will let us do longer videos these days. Cool. Anyway, 
Um, yeah. So the uh, article I will highlight this week is your six strongest practical password techniques ranked. Um, mm. Askleo.com slash 132876. It's the ongoing thing about, you know, how do I make a good password? What's a good password? What does a good password look like? Why does it have to be so hard? How am I supposed to remember it? The whole nine yards, you know the mm -hmm. story. Um, and uh, there are some fairly easy techniques that you can use um, in decreasing order of security. Um, but you'll find that, you know, at the top of the list, it's really not that hard. And of course, it's trivial if you're using a password vault. So um, yeah, your six strongest password, practical password techniques. I've always focused on practical. That's 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 the only way for um, these kinds of things to be useful for folks at all. Mm -hmm. cool. I think that's a wrap. Yep. As always, these show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh184. I still like saying 184. Do you have a comment or question? Be sure and leave it on the show notes page. We absolutely see it. Thanks as always for listening, and we will see you here again real soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.